Hello, everyone, and welcome. You're listening to The Cost of Goods Sold. I'm your host, Jennifer Myers Chua, and this is episode number 18. This is Cost of Goods Sold, a podcast about the environmental and social costs of the things we buy. In each episode, we explore topics like sustainability, innovation, social entrepreneurship, the circular economy, conscious consumerism, and how we can all affect change. Be inspired by thoughtful designers and responsible creators and curators using business to create positive impact. And listen to hear the stories of those taking on the world's biggest challenges and making meaningful contributions towards a better future. In today's episode, we chat with Romina Kwong from Eco-Friendly Events. We learn why Romina was inspired to help event organizers and business owners with their green initiatives and discover what steps can be taken to make larger scale events more environmentally friendly. We learn how to realistically green your holiday season at home with small, actionable tips that won't take away from the joy of the occasion. We chat where to buy gifts, how to wrap them, and find eco-friendly alternatives for the biggest waste producers of your holiday gathering. We discuss the benefits of real versus artificial trees, talk about why you may want to skip balloons for New Year's Eve, and help you reduce waste and your environmental impact with practical and affordable swaps to help spread cheer this year sustainably. This episode is brought to you by Hip Mummies, carefully curated wholesale merchandise for modern retail. If you want to stock your shelves with brands that are socially responsible and sustainable, or if you want to be a part of the collection that is delighting Canadian retail, visit hipmummies.ca. The holiday season is approaching and many of us are looking forward to gathering with our loved ones in person this year. Our holiday season celebrations do generate a lot of trash. Household waste increases more than 25% over the period of mid-November to New Year's Eve, with an extra 300,000 tons of waste heading to Canadian landfills during the last six weeks of the year. The good news is there are a lot of things you can do to reduce your environmental impact and make your holiday season a bit brighter. And this year, now that extended families are gathering again, you have the opportunity to create even bigger impact. It's more energy efficient to prepare one meal, decorate and heat one home than it is for several. And if you gather with friends or relatives that live locally over traveling by air, your holiday can be even more environmentally friendly. The holidays mean a lot to us, especially this year, and most of us are looking forward to the spirit of the season, so it's about taking practical, impactful actions that make sense and that mean the most. I asked Romina Kwong from Eco-Friendly Events to join us this week and walk us through some small and actionable tips to green our holiday season. So if you choose to skip the Christmas crackers or buy gifts secondhand, swap the turkey for a plant-based alternative, or use your decade-old artificial tree for just one more year. 
Ramina has some realistic tips that you can take into the holiday season. And by rethinking waste this holiday, you have the opportunity to get the children around you involved and gently influence your loved ones while creating new, more mindful holiday traditions. Ramina is the founder of Eco-Friendly Events. She works with business owners and event organizers, helping ensure that events are using best practices in terms of sustainability. She holds a degree in Environmental Studies and Economics and International Development Studies and is an advocate for environmental and social justice. But it wasn't until she was a bridesmaid that she ever considered getting involved in the world of events. I ended up going back to school for event management. And while we were encouraged to volunteer a lot just to get ourselves out there in the industry, I just realized how wasteful it was. And it sort of just like clicked in my brain that this is something that I could do. There wasn't anybody really leading this sort of like industry of connecting both environmental sustainability and the events industry. So shortly after I graduated and worked a little bit in the industry, I decided that I wanted to do something about it. And so I started eco-friendly events. Do you remember a point in your life, maybe way before this wedding, when you became interested in sustainability? Like, is there a moment that stands out in your mind? A couple of moments. So first was in grade four. My parents work at Panasonic and they had this like competition with Energy Star. And so every grade had their own like little project that you competed in. And so in grade four, I think we had to write maybe like a one page like document about why we cared about the environment. I actually won that competition for my grade. (laughs) So it was really cool. And then from there, it was just in grade 12 when I did like world studies and it was around the time where we had to decide what we wanted to study in university or what like path we wanted to choose and it sort of clicked again there and so that just kind of has been sort of lifelong but just popped up here and there. Did your parents influence this at all? Was your family have any traditions that were like sustainably minded? We were avid sorter household of like this goes into recycling, this goes into the green bin and this goes into the garbage. And just constantly like reusing or repairing things. So anytime I had holes in my clothing to this day, I still give it to my mom to repair instead of having to just buy something new just because. When you told your family and your friends that you were choosing events to make your impact on the world, what kind of feedback did you get at that time? It was more of like, huh, I never really thought about it that way. Or it'd be like, oh, that's really cool. But I don't think anybody gets it. And even now, I think a lot of event planners or people in the events industry just think that I plan eco-friendly events, whereas I really, I just want to work with event organizers and consult with them. So leave the planning to them and I'll focus on the sustainability. When you're working with a company or a corporation and maybe their event planner as a consultant, What are you looking for in terms of how to make their event more sustainable? Like, what is that connection that you're making? So it obviously is dependent on when they bring me in, like what part of the planning process they're in. So in an ideal world, if they bring me on from the very beginning, it's figuring out where which venue, like where are you hosting it and what is available there? So what does their waste management look like? Do they have a recycling program and what do they accept into those bins? What sort of energy does that building run on? Is it LEED certified or is it green key certified depending on where it is? And then from there, it's just like, then we look at catering. So different aspects of planning and just picking 
Like where can we make changes and impact that also aligns with your budget? So also being realistic at the same time. So it's yes, in an ideal world, I'd love to change everything over, but I know that's not realistic. So what are the most important parts or points or values, I guess, to the corporation, to the event planner, and sort of figuring out ways that we can plan the event in alignment with those. So if it's food waste, okay, so let's focus on catering and maybe we won't focus necessarily on the venue, even though we could make a difference there. When you began to get more into events and exploring this industry and figuring this all out, so you've had this experience as the bridesmaid and you began to realize what kind of waste events generate and then went to school for it. Did you find anything surprising when you began to look at this world? I guess it just like never occurred to me as like a festival attendee or just attending an event, just like behind the scenes, how much waste there actually is and just how tired everyone is. Like you've been up or on site since, I don't know, 6, 7 a.m. And then you come on site, do the event, put out all the various fires that you need to. And then at the end, everything just gets tossed. It's dark outside if it's a festival and everyone just wants to go home. And so with my lens, it just like clicked. You really do need an extra body or person that's sort of in charge of that who can take a proactive approach versus reactive. Because yeah, been there, sore feet, need to change your shoes and nobody wants to do it, including myself, if you've been there all day. I can only imagine that something like a festival would be fairly complicated in this case because I have many memories of attending many festivals. Like we live in Toronto and they're yeah. here all the time. And just the amount of garbage left over at the end and the water situation is usually problematic. Have you had the opportunity to work on any festivals? There was one. So with the Wine and Spirit Festival, I think it was 2018, 2019. It's hard to remember time these days. <laughs> um, they actually took a more proactive approach and they hired on a green team. So this was just shortly after I finished school. So I hadn't started my business yet. So I was part of the green team and I ended up leading the green team. And it was really cool that they spoke to the waste management company to say, okay, so the cups that we're using for all the drinks, they are compostable or biodegradable and they can go into the green bin. And we we're like, awesome, sweet. And it wasn't until all the vendors were like setting up and then they had all this garbage with them and we didn't know which bin it went to. The plastic wrap carrying like cases of juices or for example, we didn't know if that could go into the recycling bin because that was not something that was ever discussed with the waste management company. And they, at that point they had already left. And so I was just like, oh yeah, like there are so many other things, all the food vendors, all the things that they were serving food in. You see a lot of those brown containers now or like paper containers. And we were like, I don't know if this is lined with plastic, if it's lined with wax, like, can it go into the green bin? And so it was just at this point, a guessing game. (laughs) And um, that's when it really clicked. I was like, okay, like this is something that people need to understand to really make that impact. And for me, it's not about just for show. Like I do care about what impact are we making? Are we actually doing something better for the earth, our planet, and the people. Seeing that was just like, okay, there is something here, but we need to make it better. And I find that businesses are becoming more responsive to sustainability. And I don't know if that is because us as a society are driving that change, but how have you seen 
a change in business. Have you seen more people specifically looking for services like yours? Are they overall, overarchingly really trying to make change in this area? I think so. I think it obviously depends on the generation. I think all the younger generations definitely care a lot more. It's on their mind. They're constantly trying to look for the eco-friendly or greener products. I think the disconnect is people will see all of these things. They're advertised as compostable, green, and that sort of thing. And all of these are just buzzwords. Like they don't actually know the definition and there isn't really a definition. Like it's not set across the board. If you say it's green, what does that actually mean? And does it mean the same thing for your beauty products versus your toothbrush or cleaning products? There is no like standard. And so I think that's where the disconnect and struggle is. Everyone has the best of intentions, but they lack the knowledge, both as a business who's trying to be more eco-friendly, but then also as a consumer as well, because they don't totally understand the nuances. And I think green and compostable and biodegradable, like these are words that all of us have heard now. We all have kind of an understanding of what they mean. But what about carbon neutral? I've been hearing carbon neutral more and more and even in terms of events. Can you explain to me what that means or what's going on with carbon neutrality? It is becoming a trend. It's a little bit greenwashing. There is a body that does certify things as carbon neutral and they have a specific definition. To be carbon neutral is basically like the amount of carbon you're admitting, you're offsetting so that it becomes like zero essentially. And for me personally, and my viewpoint, I think it's a bit of greenwashing because if I'm emitting like a ton of carbon emissions and I'm then offsetting it, you're not reducing anything. So you're not necessarily making it better. Same thing with carbon offsetting. You're investing in maybe green technology, like a wind farm or solar panels. And yes, you are investing in a different type of technology that will help, but it's not taking that carbon out of the atmosphere. And so when you hear like Elon Musk and other um, people in the world talking about carbon capture, that's what they're talking about. It's like taking the carbon out of the atmosphere and putting it back either into the ground or wherever and storing it. All of that is complicated, um, but not at the same time. What are some of the ways that we can reduce waste and green our holidays at home this year? There's this website and tool that I love. It's called the guesstimator. And you can input the amount of people um, that are attending. What kind of eater are they? Are they a light eater or a heavy eater or like average? And it'll tell you how much exactly that you need. You can even account for like a couple leftover meals or no leftovers. And then that way you're significantly reducing the amount of food waste you might potentially have, or just like leftovers that you don't want to continuously eat for weeks on end. So that's one. Second, at least in my family, we gather so much and we have so many people that we're never really using disposables, which is nice. But if you are that household that maybe only has like six sets, think about renting or think about asking family members to just bring their own. I know it's kind of uh, like weird, but that's where it starts is that shift in mindset to be like, hey, we would love to just reduce the amount of waste. Do you mind bringing the set of plates for your own family? Like just your immediate family. It's not like lugging a bunch over and making sure you do have the proper bins at home and you are sorting and recycling and composting if you have that in your area and also looking up what can and cannot be accepted into those bins as well. So that's what's important. Just because it's certified compostable doesn't mean that 
the municipality or waste management company that serves your area will accept it. So like, for example, in the city of Toronto, all of those compostable materials, bamboo things, and all of those things, they don't accept in the green bin. So at the end of the day, you do have to throw it in the trash. So that's something to be mindful of. And then with decorations is, are you reusing your decorations from years past or are you constantly buying new ones or can you invest maybe in something that's a little bit more expensive that you can reuse over and over again? Or maybe you just forego the decorations. Maybe you don't need them. It really, really depends. And so that's just a few key areas I think that we can all think about to reduce our environmental impact. So next weekend, we will be with my family going to select our Christmas tree for the year. I was wondering if you had any input on whether an artificial tree is a better choice than a natural tree, or how do you feel about trees? It really just goes back down to something called a life cycle assessment that they do for products. And so it really depends on how long you're going to be able to reuse that um, fake tree. And you have to do that assessment and figure out which one lasts longer. From what I've read, the natural tree is better because most people don't keep the fake one long enough for it to be worth it. So um, that's my two cents on that topic Uh, with regards to the tree. Like I know we have an artificial one, but we've been using it for years and years since I was a child. And so for us, it was just my mom just didn't want to deal with the hassle of having a real tree. So I've never had a real one, which is um, something that I might look into changing when when I'm out on my own. I will look into the product life cycle of the artificial tree. But yeah, I think it was 20 years. Yeah, it was like 15 or 20 years. Yeah, well, I'll definitely have to look it up. But I think it was something like that where if you most people don't keep it that long. So then it negates it being better than the real tree. What kind of sustainable swaps can we make when considering Christmas tree decor? There's a lot of Pinterest ideas of using like dried fruit and that sort of thing, um, which I think is cool because then at the end of the day, yes, you can put it into your green bin. At the same time, I've heard people argue that, well, you're just wasting fruit, which I'm like, okay, like it's a bit of both. And so again, it comes back down to the same sort of conversation we had about the tree. How long are those decorations going to last you? Are you going to keep reusing them or does the natural actually work better? I'm all about really what works for your lifestyle. Are you in a house? Do you have a storage locker? Can you store these things? And if you can't, then go with the natural. And if you can, amazing, then keep reusing it for as long as you can. As a kid, we had these candy canes on our tree for years and years. Like nobody ate them, but it was just something that we kept and just kept using. It's just figuring out what works for you. So not necessarily swapping everything out all of a sudden. It's just, what do you have? Can you continue using it and not, buy new things every year. I mean, my mom used to do that, change up the Christmas tree theme every couple years. Which is nice aesthetically, but not so much for the environment if you're tossing everything out. This is one area too where we like to keep traditions and joy. Like if you you do purchase an ornament from, I don't know, big box store or something, but it's meaningful to you and you remember what year this was and it's impactful in your life, that's wonderful. But you're just suggesting not to do a complete tree decor overhaul every single year, right? Exactly. Exactly. Use what you have. If things get broken, like if a pet bumps into the tree or your cat cat climbs a tree and things get broken, obviously 
after a while you only have so many ornaments that are left so yes if you are buying new ones and you're going to keep them in good condition then yes but yeah also those natural swaps are a good idea as well it really just depends i won't do it it's just too much effort for me and i know that and so you have to figure out yeah what works for you what works for your holidays because it's already stressful enough (laughs) and our tradition around christmas cards sustainably speaking What are some swaps we should make there? Should we be going to e-cards? Should we still be doing the glossy family photo cards and sending those out? What do you think we should do with cards this year? I think it really depends if you are doing the ones with the photographs. Digital is a little bit better, but I don't know if it's for your grandmother who posts it on her fridge every year, maybe send her a physical one. And I think you can always do a combination. I think it depends for the older folks who are in your family. Maybe they want the physical because that's what they're used to. So send them the physical and then maybe all your cousins and siblings, you can just send them an electronic one because they're okay with that. They're like, great, we'll just like put it in a album or one of those like digital picture frames. Figuring out ways that work and then just mixing and matching. Like you don't have to do one or the other. It's not an all or nothing. And that's never my approach. It's just maybe you try a couple like electronic. Maybe it's two people you send electronic cards to and then everybody else gets a physical one or vice versa. Now, when you sit down to actually wrap all of those presents that we have acquired, are there some pretty easy sustainable swaps that we can make when it comes to wrapping our gifts? I've started using like the brown craft paper. If you're ordering anything online starting now, start saving those boxes and just reusing them. I know last year, because our family gathering for Christmas was a lot smaller, nobody wrapped gifts in like proper things. They just like used newspaper, just like put it in a box and like tied some string around it because they knew that I wouldn't want wrapping paper. So things like that, or is there like a gift bag you can reuse or wrapping it using like a scarf that you're also gifting to them or maybe it's like a tea towel and stuff like that again trying to be creative and you don't have to do it for all of them I know like for kids especially the joy of actually like ripping open a present is part of is part of it and so yeah maybe it's using newspaper or it's using that craft paper so that you can recycle it at the end of it and when it comes to gifting or sustainable giving really Have you come across any really great gift ideas that we could use this year when it comes to looking how to maybe reduce our carbon footprint or make our gifting strategy more eco-friendly? Gifting services or just like helping out a friend. I actually saw a post recently on Instagram that made me rethink some things as well is maybe your friend doesn't need, I don't know, a thing, like a physical item, but they they want a night off and so you can babysit their kids for a night. Can I just interrupt and say that is the best gift? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. um, Happy to babysit, Jennifer. (laughs) Maybe it's a gift card because they've been saving up to buy something that they they really needed. Acts of service. When you think of like the five love languages, acts of service is what can you do for the person that will actually be such a huge help that it won't cost you too much money, maybe a bit of your time. And you're not just giving stuff for them to just pile on in their house. I've received some really interesting gifts lately, and one of them was a box of frozen scones. So someone had taken the time to make scones in various flavors and then froze them, and then I get to put them in my freezer and then bake on a whim as I feel like I would like one. 
And that is a really beautiful gift idea that is not coming from a store. It's really heartfelt. And really, there was no plastic involved in the actual packaging and gifting it to me. Yes, yes. And electronic gift cards, I know they're not, you know, the nicest or whatever, but um, like, I love that I get an electronic gift card. It just sits in my inbox and then I delete it once I use it instead of having now this plastic card. And it's like, what am I going to do with it after I scanned it? Right. I think services are the best. So it's like, maybe it's buying um, somebody a gift card to their favorite salon or the salon that they go to or where they can get their hair and, and makeup done or maybe their nails done and things that people actually use or even grocery gift cards. I think those are the best because everybody needs to buy groceries and those are the best because it's just useful. I'm the type of gift giver that likes to find things that are unique, but also useful to the person that they'll actually use rather than just be like, oh, thank you. And then just set it aside. They're the most wasteful. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider taking the time to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps us spread the word about the project and about brands that are truly making a difference. On to the show. I think when it comes to children's toys, as a business owner, I'm looking to stock my shelves with multi-purpose toys that are battery-free, that are ethically made, all of those things. But as a parent, I am very much going to Facebook Marketplace and Kijiji and going for used options for toys. And because my child is used to it, she really doesn't mind. She's still asking for this plastic toy inside a plastic toy with batteries that I am resisting very hard this year. But overall, what do you think about buying used gifts or upcycling gifts for the holidays? I love that idea, especially with sometimes with toys, especially where it's like they want the thing because they've seen it on TV. And then it's like after a few months, you don't want that toy anymore or they like kind of moved on. And so I think getting things secondhand, whether it is from Facebook Marketplace, which no, not everybody loves. It's not the best experience all the time, but it is a good option. Or going to your local Value Village or Goodwill or secondhand or thrift store where you can buy things secondhand. Or is there anybody in your family? With us, for example, there's a lot of female cousins. And so all the clothes continuously get like moved around and same thing with toys. And so I think that's a great idea. I think it's just, you need to shift that mindset for people to not think it's weird. Because you're like, why would I give somebody something used? Well, do they really need it new? Do they need all that plastic and packaging with it? Or can you just wrap it nicely in a scarf? And that's also how they carry around that set of toys or that set of whatever it is you're gifting. Are we as a society making shifts there? Like, do you think this is becoming more accepted? I think for certain things we're getting there. So for clothing, for example, like thrifting is now trendy, which I'm not mad about because it is a good thing, but I think we still have a long ways to go with like gifting and things like that. And what about re-gifting? I don't have a problem with that. I just, I feel like if it's going to be a better use for somebody else, I think again, it's that shift in culture and 
with all of us, if you're going to be offended that somebody re-gifts something, as long as it's not re-gifted back to the same person, I think <laughs> you're good. <laughs> if we're more thoughtful and purposeful with the gifts to begin with, then we wouldn't necessarily have the re-gifting problem or issue to begin with, right? Like if you think more carefully about, okay, so-and-so needs this, or maybe buy something edible, then that yes. way you know it's, con- it's consumed um, and somebody will eat it. And that's such a great idea. I think even like at weddings for the party favors, like just give them a cookie with your name on it or something, because <laughs> then somebody will eat it, whether it's that person or somebody in their family. And so, yeah, edible gifts. Favors is a really big one, I think, in terms of waste, any kind of party favors. All those loot bags from kids' birthday parties. In episode one of this podcast, we had a conversation with Rebecca Saha from Tiny Toy Company, and she has a reloot bag. So she collects toy debris and toy garbage and then creates these loot bags with upcycled toys. It's amazing. I love that. So you've taken your tree down and you've lovingly stored all of your ornaments that maybe you bought at the local Christmas fair. You've put those in your basement. You're packing up your tree. So every year we trim the branches off and put it in the backyard and we drill holes in it so the bugs can live in it. And then in the spring, we compost it. And I've actually seen some like Christmas tree bits put in the ravine, which I don't know if is a good idea, but I think it's better than just chucking it at the end of the season. Do you have any comments what to do after we're done with our trees? I think that's a great idea. Again, I think it depends on where you live. Like I'm in the heart and core of Toronto where there isn't a ton of greenery. (laughs) And so I think you need to pick and choose what works and what doesn't. So for you, Jennifer, it works because where you live has a ravine. And so maybe, yeah, you can leave it outside in your backyard. And for those people who don't, then you can't. But I don't have a huge like thought on it. I think if you figure out what the waste, if the city, like what they do with it, with their trees, like call them and ask them or email them and see like, what is it that you do with it? And figuring out that I think is always a good, good option as well as like, where does it actually end up? I think, yeah, figuring out where it ends up. And if there is an alternative, maybe it is cutting it up and putting it out in the back, or maybe you use it as firewood or like kindling. It depends when you're rethinking things in events, it's what do you care about and how can you reduce where it aligns. I think city dwellers too, we have a different issue there in that, for example, I've heard use potted trees, but then where are you going to plant them afterwards? If we live in this urban environment, we have to get a permit to plant a tree. Where are we going to plant it afterwards? And then if you live in a condo, for example, it might be a better choice to go for an artificial tree because once you then have to wrap the tree in plastic at the end and bring it down the elevator. Now you're putting out a big, huge plastic bag every year as well. Maybe it would be worth going on Facebook Marketplace (laughs) or Kijiji or whatever and finding one of those trees that someone's getting rid of that's artificial, but still perfectly good for use. Or if you're buying it new, you're keeping it for that 15, 20 years and keeping it for the full life cycle. I think in my condo specifically, they don't even allow the natural trees. Like you have to go with artificial. So something to keep in mind as well is just, yeah, you have to adapt to where it is you reside. One of the things that I think of when I think of Christmas is that movie Christmas Vacation with the Griswold family and the dad completely blanketing the entire house in Christmas lights. 
And a lot of us have switched to LED lights. But what do you think about holiday lighting? Is that impactful on the environment? Something that helps is putting a timer on those plugs or having it on a smart plug and where you can set a timer. So maybe it's on for only a few hours at night and then it shuts off. But it's also thinking about more of like a fire hazard too. It's just you don't necessarily want to maybe leave it on all night. Now that most people already have the LED lights, it's like that's great and that's a huge um, switch. Just even like from a economic standpoint, like does your electricity bill go up significantly during the holidays? Make it a game. I like to make it a game to try and keep our bill as low as we can. And so figuring out ways, either setting it on a timer or maybe only during certain days um, and figuring out a schedule that works. You mentioned before the guesstimator, which I think is absolutely brilliant. But when it comes to holiday meals, I can just imagine the amount of waste that's generated in every home, Right. Do you have any tips on how to reduce our waste when it comes to actual food waste over the holidays? Yeah, so figuring out how many people you're actually serving, using that tool is a good, just gives you a rough idea of how much you actually need. Not making the whole bag of potatoes, for example. Maybe you make like half. <laughs> I don't know. If there's any leftovers, is actually consuming it, giving it away. I know with my one aunt, whenever we gathered at her house, she puts all the leftover food in Tupperware containers and sends it home with every person. So first it's figuring out like, what are you going to make? And it starts really from the very beginning from the prep is at the grocery store. Do you need all of those things? How many people are actually coming over? Will they eat everything? Or are you just making it just so you have a nice spread for Instagram? So it's rethinking that from the very beginning and then cooking and then storing the food properly as well. So not leaving it out for hours and hours and then it goes bad and then you can't eat it. Other things you can probably do is actually just donate the food. Can you pack it up? Can you give it to people in shelters or can you give it to people who are unhoused? For example, in the city of Toronto, we have so many, unfortunately, at this time. And so can you gift them things? that from the leftovers or even on Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. So once you've packed up your tree and we are looking forward to New Year's Eve, I have some specific thoughts on balloons and glitter. And I was wondering if you could walk us through how sustainable balloons and glitter are and maybe what our choices are if we want to make better choices in that area. They aren't. They aren't sustainable or green, especially the latex ones. Once you use them, that's it. Like they have to go in the garbage. There is no other alternative. With the foil balloons, you can reuse them. You can release the air, reuse it. So I've actually had some friends like message me because I've liked their photo on Instagram. They're like, it's been reused. Like we've reused these numbers. And I was like, okay, (laughs) good to know. I'm not trying to guilt trip you, but it's just funny that they know that I will think of that. So if you can use the foil options and you know you're going to reuse them, I've seen people give them away or trade them on um, like buns or pals on Facebook. So those groups where people are trading good for good. So you can look into that and specifically for like birthdays, like once you're done with like those big celebrations, you can give them away and reuse them. So that's one. With the glitter, I would say try to just avoid like that's Those are tiny pieces of plastic that we don't necessarily think about. We just think it's fun. I mean, I know for my mom and I'm sure other mothers don't love the glitter cleanup. (laughs) So I think for both reasons, maybe not use them. I know 
There's this company called Botanical Paperworks based out of Winnipeg, and they do seed paper, and they have actually seed confetti. So they embed wildflower seeds into their paper that are local to Canada, and you can actually plant them afterwards. So I've had some friends like plant them in like a small pot and just see them grow. They will degrade over time and just in natural air and water or like natural elements. <laughs> so I think that's an option. Fireworks and sparklers are not the greatest. You can't totally say no to everything. Just like that's my approach with it is like you have to be a little bit realistic. And what about biodegradable balloons? I've seen these everywhere. Can you talk a little bit about those? That is just a whole lot of greenwashing because technically anything and everything is biodegradable. Our headphones that we're wearing right now are biodegradable. They will degrade over time, but that doesn't mean it's good. Depending on what the object is or whatever it is, it can potentially leak chemicals back into the groundwater into our earth. And so it really depends on what they're made of. So I've seen them as well. I think if you can avoid them, avoid them and use the foil ones if you can reuse them for as long as possible or just avoid them altogether. And then I guess choose champagne or sparkling wine from local producers if you can. Well, champagne is only technically champagne if it comes from the area of France <laughs> that champagne. So maybe if you don't live in that area um, and you're trying to stay local, yeah, find something that's sparkling that's local. There's a ton of wineries, especially in the greater Toronto area. If you're close to Niagara, like there's so many wineries out there that use like wind power or like solar panels. I think it's biodynamic wines. I think that's the word where they're yeah trying to be as sustainable as possible in all aspects of the wine production process. And so looking that up as well, or just supporting local where it's not traveling as far, especially in a glass bottle. Our parties at home, why are making our events and our parties more sustainable so important? It's an aspect of life, right? Like we want to celebrate lives. We want to celebrate special occasions and anniversaries. And if you're going to be eco-friendly in every other aspect, why not events? Especially with the large scale um, productions like weddings and festivals where it's potentially only once in a lifetime or once a year, it has such a huge impact. Like in those three days that a structure is erected in Young and Dundas Square or like another park, there's so much that goes into it. And then so much it get disposes of. And so that still has impact because events are not going away, especially now that I don't want to say the pandemic is over, but it's like coming t- slowly to an end <laughs> and we're getting back to some sort of normalcy. Events are coming right back. There are so many events that are coming back in 2022 for in-person. You've seen a few of them now. A lot of like vendor markets are back and it makes me so hopeful and so happy, but it's an part of life. And if you're going to be eco-friendly in other parts, why not this as well? And all of these swaps, all of these like small tips, I can only imagine that these are also saving you financial costs. They are saving you money as well, right? Definitely. So again, not always. And so it's not necessarily a misconception because yes, some things will cost more but other things don't. Like if you borrowed something, what is that costing you? Maybe a bit of gas to go get it, which you would have spent anyways to go to the store. So in some ways it is saving you money. If you're asking relatives to bring their own dishes to your house, that's dishwashing you don't have to do. You're saving the waste that you're tossing out into the trash and you're not purchasing anything. I think 
just resetting and reshifting or shifting your mindset is asking yourself always, do you need this? Do you need to buy this first and foremost? And then can you get it secondhand or can you borrow it or can you like rent it from somewhere? That way sort of like going into that circular economy where you're reusing things and keeping things in use rather than using it and then disposing of it. And then think of like the recycling and organics and compostables as sort of your last resort. Can you reduce first? If you can't not get it, are there ways that you can get it where you're borrowing it and renting it? So it's secondhand. So with all of this that you've learned from working in events and seeing how people are responding to these ideas, are you hopeful for the future? I am hopeful. I think the pandemic really made us all slow down and rethink how we are living. And I think that's the most important part and where it starts is we can't continue living the way we've always been living. And this pandemic has really showed all of us that. And we're craving that connection and really wanting to connect with our loved ones in person again. And making some of these swaps can only bring us to a brighter future, right? Exactly. So we actually have a planet to live on and continue gathering together. (laughs) Organizing an in-person gathering this year? Visit ecofriendlyevents.ca slash links to download a free eco-friendly party planning guide to help you reduce waste and your environmental impact over and over again. If you want to learn more about Romina and her holistic, accessible, and realistic approach to environmental sustainability, visit ecofriendlyevents.ca. You can follow along with Romina and catch her live on Instagram on her mission to help event organizers and businesses be eco-friendly on Facebook or Instagram at ecofriendly.events. This episode was brought to you by Hip Mummies, carefully curated wholesale merchandise for modern Canadian retail. If you want to stock your shelves with carefully vetted, proven safe and thoughtfully designed brands, or if you're looking for Canadian distribution and representation, visit hipommies.ca. Thank you for joining us this week. If you want to find out more about this episode or any of the previous episodes, please visit thecostofgoodsold.com. Have a founder story that you think we should feature? Reach out on Twitter or Instagram at ofgoodsold. My name is Jennifer Myers-Chua. And you've been listening to Cost of Goods Sold, the podcast.